Hello and welcome back to Kansas City's Northeast Newscast. I'm your host, Paul Thompson, and I'll be sitting down this week with representatives from Catholic Charities of Kansas City and St. Joseph, who have ambitious plans, to say the least, for the historic Northeast. The conversation included Jared Sanderson, Executive Director of Housing and Development, Kevin Murphy, Executive Director of Marketing and Communications, and, you may have heard this name, Carl DeCapo, the former Kansas City Parks and Recreation Commissioner who is helping Catholic Charities raise funds for a housing endeavor in the Northeast. The organization already owns two lots in the Indian Mound neighborhood, where they are planning to construct energy-efficient, 1,120-square-foot, three-bedroom, one-bathroom homes. Though the organization will initially build those two three-bedroom homes in Indian Mound, their aspirations don't end there. If the initial projects are successful and financing falls into place afterwards, no guarantee, of course, Catholic Charities eventually hopes to build 100 homes a year for 10 years in the Kansas City metropolitan area. How's that for ambition? What follows is my conversation with Catholic Charities about what they're trying to do today in the historic Northeast and where they hope they can go in the future. Thank you so much for listening. So you kind of alluded a second ago to the fact that you think that the Northeast is ready for a renaissance. Absolutely. you got marvelous homes here. Now, how how is this group here that is interested in investing in the Northeast going to help make that happen? Well, you know, if we're Catholics. We're basically, that's what we do. The, the Catholic charities, we take care of 20,000 20, people a year, something like that. Yeah. Isn't that right? Well, maybe. Maybe 20,000 people. Yeah. 85% are not Catholic. Mm-hmm. We have, but Jesus Christ didn't ask you what religion you were, mm-hmm. you know. So consequently, that's basically what you do. So what we do, we found out, and what they're doing, he is doing, is building homes. Yeah, we're looking at one veteran family and then we'll most likely one um, formerly homeless single mom who's now um, fully gainfully employed and just trying to get back on track. So, and you've already identified the families. Yes, uh, we've got the two. The, so we've got the two families identified. The lots are purchased. We're waiting on permits um, to get approved to start building the first two, and that's proof of concept because we want to do twenty more after that, and then hopefully scale up to hundred a year for ten years. But we have to make sure we can do it first. <laughs> so, so are these um, lots where a house has already been demolished, or is it a lot that's just empty field, or they, are you going to have to tear down? Yeah, so they were land bank lots. I mm-hmm. think there used to be houses there, they were. Uh, but there hasn't been for a long time. Right. Uh, and I, these are, um, some of those land bank lots, the houses were just buried in the basement. Right. Uh, I think these were actually excavated, so I don't think there's anything in the ground, but it's it's been vacant for a while. Uh, so were they maybe, they weren't part of the um, the city's recent um, teardown program? No, it's, no. It's not, the demo program, it's something that's been before that even. Yes. And I mean, we would potentially be open to those two. Um, really anything that's buildable. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's uh, renovation is a possibility uh, building new and using the materials we're using which is concrete um, forms and we're talking durability these things are going to be there for 100 years Um, the R values for these are 30, 40 um, and the utility rates are projected to be about $35 a month all in uh, because they're just I mean they're fortresses so yeah we're wanting to build something that's going to last and that's going to be cheaper for the people that are living there long term um, and the renovation, it's possible to do that, but mm-hmm. when you're renovating a 100-year-old home, right. uh, typically you don't get the utility rates back down. Sure. <laughs> so. oh, what about the aesthetic? I mean, is there is it enough to the point where you think that the 
the community will embrace it. I know that there's, they're very particular around the Northeast. Uh, you've seen a lot of times you have to go to a zoning board and then you end up getting stuck in the planning commission and all this stuff. Um, and neighbors will come. I've seen it before, you know, but say, I don't like the idea that they're going to put solar panels on there, mm-hmm. on their roof. Or, it's going to stand out. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, have you thought about that and, and how it might fit with the community? Yes. Um, so we've we've started engaging the Lycans Neighborhood um, Community Organization just specifically about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the concrete forms technology at this point, you can make the exterior finish look like anything. Right. Um, so it can look, you can basically design a home that looks like it was built 50 years ago in exactly the same way the rest of the neighborhood looks, mm-hmm. except for behind the exterior is a foot of concrete. Right. And so, yeah, um, it really is just a matter of making sure that we're getting input from the neighborhood because we can make it look any way that we need to make it look right. to fit. And so, yeah. Um, so the veneer essentially can look like the neighborhood, but underneath it'll still be able to, um, you know, that's that's how you get the utility costs, right? I mean, it, you can cool like it's concrete. Yep, exactly. Nice. Uh, but the exterior, we can do we can do a stucco finish. We can make it look like brick. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you stone. can do, yeah, you can make it look like stone. You can Anything you want to do with the exterior, you can. Uh, and and re- at relatively uh, affordable pricing. So how did you get into the construction game? I mean, what, uh, wh- where was this partnership born? Uh, where did the initial idea come from? Who who are the uh, the the people who are actually going to be building this thing? And how did you make those partnerships? Yeah. So the, I think the, <laughs> the elevator version of this is that we have been engaged in housing services for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, historically, we've done case management um, for people that are needing housing, and so we're placing them in other people's properties working with the landlord, um, and then really we're, we don't get to control a whole lot of that. So if we work with a landlord who's um, just not happy with the person that's living there or doesn't have the capacity to provide the type of support that we think the person needs, um, mm-hmm. we don't have any say in that. And a lot of landlords are really good people, but they just don't have the um, support and the services to offer the kind of um, intense support that our folks need sometimes. And so we were we were struggling with this. We had most of the people we work with have convictions or evictions in their background, Mm -hmm. and so the traditional housing market just won't touch them. Sure. Uh, And that's not malice. Most of these individuals don't have a way to vet the people that we're working with. We get to know them for six, eight, ten, twelve months. Uh, We've got a pretty good idea who's ready and who's not yet. You know them as people before you get into the business of trying to find them homes. Exactly. So our thought was if we if we could find a way to develop own and operate the homes themselves, mm-hmm. um, then one, we take the burden off of a traditional housing market that's never going to have the time and resources to do this well, mm-hmm. uh, and we control start to finish. So you'll take on the risk. Exactly. Um, and potentially the financial benefits of this as well, which mm-hmm. we can then roll back into the next tranche of houses. Financial benefit being the rent payments that are coming in that will hopefully be above what you'll have to pay for the mortgage, and, and really all you need to assure then is that you have... I, that the faith that you put in the individuals that are that are moving right. into these homes is, right. is well founded. That's I mean that's it in a nutshell. And so uh, we have a lot of people who on paper look like they're not ready mm. uh, because they have convictions or evictions on their record. And we're not only focusing on people with um, criminal records or evictions, but that's who typically falls through the cracks of our traditional housing market. That's how you become homeless: is that you've been evicted yeah. and you get rejected on a home, or you can't make the payments, and you kind of just slink away from that scene so that you don't, you know, the, the pressure is built too much. And that's, that is where there are some, I mean, the vast majority of landlords we work with, fantastic people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with some exceptions, there are some individuals who are taking advantage of people, particularly because those people can't 
do it in daylight. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to work with somebody who's not going to run a background check. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to work with somebody who's not going to run a housing check. Right. And then now they're susceptible to basically anything mm-hmm. uh, because they don't want to get kicked out. And so, uh, but that's the that's the s- slim margin of landlords. Most of them are good people who are trying not to lose money. Right. Uh, so our thought was let's insert ourselves into that piece of it, take the risk, um, and then because we have this mechanism to vet people that nobody else has. Um, and so it doesn't work if the people that we're working with aren't at a place of stability where they have the livable wage job now. Uh, so for the people who are still struggling with substance abuse or behavioral health stuff, uh, it's, this isn't the answer. We're working with them to get that addressed first. Right. And then they come back to this. Uh, so it's not we're not giving away anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to have people who can pay rent. Sure. Um, we have to have people who are... Can hold a job. Employed. Exactly. Yes. Uh, but we help people get there. And so the very first, the lady that gave you the house... Tell them what happened. Yeah, so we ended up in the Northeast for this in part because we were trying to identify parts of the city that were stable, that had a lot of available property, um, and but still needed redevelopment. And so, mm-hmm. is that the Elmwood House? Yeah, okay. yeah. So we had a, a, a really generous lady. She donated the home to us. Uh, she was she lived there for sixty years. Mm-hmm. She was ninety five. She was taking care of the whole thing herself. And wow. she was scooting up and down the stairs, no problem. The only thing she wasn't doing was mowing the lawn, and it wasn't because she couldn't. <laughs> she right. just decided that was the piece she was going to contract out. Everything right. else she was handling herself. Wow. Um, so she was building a new home for herself and decided to donate this um, to Catholic Charities for anybody that we wanted to use it for. So we started renting it to um, one of our uh, veteran clients, and it gave us a pretty good sense of the neighborhood because we've now had a home there for year and a half, two years. Hmm. Um, and there was three months there where we were actually maintaining it while we were getting it. We were doing some of the things we had to do before we could rent it back out. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we got a really good sense of the neighborhood. Um, and there were two lots like adjacent just next door that were land bank lots. And so we thought, well, let's start there. We've already got a foothold. Let's buy these two. Well, and that first um, one then, was that was that home already paid for then, essentially? Yeah. So there wasn't a mortgage on it. Um, so the individual who moves in, do they, do they still pay rent or... Just a modest, I mean, a smaller yeah. rent than normal that kind of helps keep the ball rolling, and it's still a benefit to them because That's it's exactly less than they would have to pay yes. anywhere else. We charged, uh, it was the three-bedroom house, and he, he was paying $500 a month. But so, it helped to sort of get the operation going. Yeah, and he and his children were, they were going to be homeless. I mean, they had just been evicted from um, an apartment they were living in, and he, he had yet, he couldn't get access to the benefits that he was eligible for through the VA, um, because of the backlog that everybody's aware of at this mm-hmm. point, and so he was—I mean, he was in a place where he couldn't find anywhere, and he had just been evicted. Right. And so you do a housing background check, and you see that the person got evicted last week. Right. Yeah. Um, now that person doesn't. Flag. Yeah, they don't know that this is a veteran who served and who who was injured in combat and right. just hasn't been able to get the benefit that he's eligible for and can't work. So how right. does this person pay rent? Mm-hmm. The yeah. way I mean, there's no solution there. So we were able to help bridge that gap, and then once that person got the benefits, they've been paying rent to us now for a year and a half without any problems. And so is the ultimate goal. I mean, can this person, uh, this individual, or this family live there into perpetuity, or is the goal to eventually move them on and get a new family in there? So yeah, that's, the hope? yeah, that's the beauty of doing this through um, private fundraising. It's why we need help. Mm-hmm. It's because if we don't tie our, or tether ourselves to any public source of funding, mm-hmm. we don't have to set any restrictions. Mm-hmm. So it could be yes and. The person yeah. could rent to us for forever. They could, if they want to buy the home, great. 
um, will sell them the home. Mm-hmm. If they use it as a transition for themselves two or three years and then move somewhere else, then we move somebody else in who mm-hmm. has the exact same option. And so our hope is to keep it flexible enough that somebody can rent and or buy it from us. Or maybe um, like rent to own or something of that yeah, nature where absolutely. they say right up front, hey, we want to essentially put this towards, we'll count this as a payment towards yeah. us eventually purchasing this home outright from you. Yeah, and it works a lot better for us if we can sell them because then we can take that revenue and use it to build a new one. Oh, well, especially yeah. if it's a donated home because then you're, you, know, you get to sell them for a profit. <laughs> yeah. and There's two things that it really does for Catholic Charities is it looks at the person beyond the paper, deeper than the paper. That's really what Catholic Charities is all about. Our mm-hmm. new tagline, we have a new logo and tagline we're developing. It's called the Serve and the Lift. Mm-hmm. And you serve the person, and you help them with their immediate need, which is what Jared does in the housing part. But then you also try to lift them to the dignity of self-reliance. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a key distinguishment between what Catholic Charities does and what other charities do. Because it's great to help people, and you need to do that. I don't want to diminish that in any way, but, mm-hmm. but by the idea of trying to lift as he says, to lift them to the dignity of self-reliance, to have your own ownership. I mean, that's a foundational element for the person and for and for a family in particular. So it sounds like the, the emphasis there um, that I'm hearing from you is that not only is it a meal, a home, a place to stay, it's that employment element. That's Absolutely. right. Yeah. And, and How does that fit in? Yeah, Catholic Charities has the, the, the ba- basic four pillars of our business, the Welcome Center, which initially brings people in and does that immediate service. But then you have our other areas which we kind of will channel the person to based on their underlying needs. So you can have a person that needs employment, as you said, housing, or also children and family services. So if they need to learn how to be a better parent, Uh if they need to learn how to do things like financial literacy, all of those kinds of things can then elevate that person. And we've got partnerships. So we have our own workforce programs where we're. That's helping. what I was getting into. Yeah, yeah. I'd like and to hear got, more about that. So we've, we've got a kind of a general workforce program. So it's not tethered to any specific industry. It's a soft skill training um, to just help rebuild one, rebuild people's confidence, reframe where they're at in their lives. Uh, because a lot of these individuals, yes, they've, they've got experiences that on paper look bad, but in reality make them potentially a better candidate than somebody who hasn't experienced that mm-hmm. uh, because they've got adversity that they've dealt with that most people couldn't fathom and so they're in a position to actually turn that into an asset and start telling employers instead of walking with the chin down chin up I've got something I can offer you that nobody else can offer um, right. and so basically taking the thing that has caused them to be stigmatized and stereotyped and turning it into a thing that makes them unique. I will appreciate this opportunity more than anybody else who hasn't been in that exactly whole. Yeah. And, and, so, they, and they look at themselves from a positive. That's one of the biggest things they do if you go through the program is they start talking about positive attributes. What's your positive attribute? They come in downtrodden about what's ever happened in their life. Sure. This is not only giving them the positive aspects of what they have that they sometimes don't see in themselves. Mm-hmm. And then um, things like giving them a resume. Mm-hmm. Suddenly uh, that, that simple step of giving them a resume gives them renewed confidence to go back out. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, one of the things that I take away from our workforce trainers, all one of the things that they say is just a really a simple, tangible takeaway is somebody if they've been been incarcerated for ten years, they have a clean driving record. Yeah, ten years, and right. so I mean, when we start talking about truck driving jobs and delivery jobs, well, they're they're on paper they look great because right. <laughs> they haven't right. had any problems right, with their license. Right, right, right. No traffic incidents exactly. in a decade, right? Uh, so there are ways to flip this and turn and no it into. Warrants. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it sounds crazy, right? But these are things that some people can't and say. Parking tickets, yeah. Yeah, so um, we don't. We end up farming those individuals out to companies that come to us and say, we have openings X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have partner agencies who work in specific industries. So one of the homes that we're going to be, uh, one of the residents for one of the homes we're building is coming from 
an organization who trains single moms in dog grooming mm-hmm. um, and then places them in Petco, PetSmart, and the different, because dog grooming is a, I mean, pet grooming sure. is a Growing. multi-billion dollar industry. And, right. Yes. And so, yeah, we've, we're working with groups that are doing specific industry, and then we have our own workforce program that connects to all industries. Yeah, uh, so for, uh, for me, on the business side of this, we have to have people who are going to be quality renters, but this whole thing caves in. Uh, so I, these all these programs fit together. None of it happens in a vacuum. So they're not going to, uh, most of these individuals, unless it's a very special circumstance, wouldn't be eligible for this this housing program unless they had been already cap- proven themselves capable of holding down a job, of going through one of these workforce programs, and actually sticking through it enough that they're there for four, five, six, 12 months, whatever it may be. And so there's an access point for everybody, uh, right. people who are want to be there and, and just aren't in a place of sustainability where they can mm-hmm. we plug them in back here start working on the workforce side or refer them to one of our partner agencies um, with the idea that we're going to get back here right. um, but we've seen over and over again if we put somebody here when they're not ready yeah. and they make a mistake then they end up with that background on paper that they can't get in anywhere else right or you've so, uh, yeah no job history or you've been working somewhere and you can't get a reference because the last employer you had had to fire you because you didn't show up or yep, whatever right. it may be. Or Listen to this. Let's hear it. We just last week, we had the Korean War Memorial. One of the people there called me yesterday and said, I need help. What's the matter? He says, this lady that I know, she came here, this family here in Kansas City, brought her here when she was 14 years of age and took care of their kids, mothers. She's now 68, and no one will help her. And she has no one. She says, we don't know, no one will take care of her, we don't know. I said, you came to the right place. I said, call Jared. Mm -hmm. Jared, and he says, I'll put her on the list. This woman's on the list now, what's the process from there? Well, this is, I mean, this is the the great thing about having a flexible housing option. We have senior housing properties that, um, and those are publicly, I mean, those are HUD, Section 202s. 801. 801 Pacific is the is the Columbus Park um, senior housing property. So it's and she's most likely going to be on that list and a couple of others. Um, so we've been working. He's got, all, with, he's got five of them. You got five, right? Um, six in Kansas City, one six. in Orangeburg, one in Cameron. So we have eight total. But six that are in the Kansas City metro area. Which we take care of. And those are senior living. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, they're great. They're fantastic for the people that they serve. Uh, but there is a, there's an age. I mean, 62 and older. So if you're under 62. Um, you can't get in those. So, I mean, what we're trying to create is a flexible housing stock that allows entry points for anybody anywhere, um, because there there are just so many people that are ready, need it, and but their market incentives don't align where they can access what most of us can access. Mm-hmm. And so, we're really just trying to create an adjacent market that that people can access at any point that's still sustainable. Of the eight in the metro area that you mentioned, about how many people, uh, how many seniors are living in those? So it's 440 across the eight. The six that are in Kansas City Metro, it's about 390 units. So and those spread all the way from Grandview Triangle to uh, Tremont Place out by um, Zona Rosa. So it's the full, I mean, it's north to south. Uh, We've got senior properties all over the place and um, with varying degrees of availability. They'll sit pretty full Mm -hmm. because that need is not decreasing um, the senior need is increasing and the senior need for low income is is increasing so gotcha yeah those uh, we could build 40 more of those and still <laughs> 40 more after that so mm-hmm. you um, know that one on 801 it's all Italian women mm-hmm. and they're thrilled to death thrilled mm-hmm. to death 
because they were in their home by themselves. Now they're back with all their old friends yeah. right. they grew up with and all. They go downstairs and they go to Don Bosco mm -hmm. and have dinner, I mean lunch, every mm -hmm. day, you know? Right. So it's perfect for them. Well, Carl, what, what's your role then? I mean, obviously you helped organize this meeting and uh, it sounds like you are kind of a a master organizer as it comes to with connections and everybody you know in the city. I know everybody in town because <laughs> the fact that no, I I, when I I started working like I said down when I was six years old, and Harry Truman used to come in. All the A-overs used to come in. All of uh, the what do you call it? The bankers all came in, mm -hmm. and then I started. Then I was forty-six years at the Italian Garden, and knew met everyone. So Bill Dunn called me and says you need to go help them at Catholic Charities mm -hmm. they're not raising money enough to cover it and such they're doing well over in Kansas they're well and they come over here and do a snowball in Missouri and raise over a million dollars and such so we got together and told them explained to them stay over on the other side and they said Carl no one was using this and all the people were here all the great company so mm -hmm. we come over here so now they're going over there. So that's what we're doing mm -hmm. is raising money now for, you know, for us. We need money. Mm -hmm. We need money to do everything we want to do. I went to the city hall and they want to give me Indian Mountain. Mm -hmm. All the boarded up. They said, you got a great name. We know that it, we'll, we'll give them to you free if you want. So that's what I'm talking to him about because then all I have to do is go raise $30,000 and, and we can redo, you know, most of them. Start renovating it? Yeah, do them all. Why not? This is my home. How many are we talking, though? Who in the hell cares? You know, <laughs> you, know you can't do that. They When they save money, can you do that? So that's what you do. And who, why not? Catholic Church has been here since 1879. There was only four churches in 1879, and two of them were Catholic, and one was Jewish. You know, mm -hmm. look at it. You know, why they should have been huge by now, and we were at one time. So why not build it back to what it is? You know, Kevin here now, he's going around and speaking to all the priests, all the priests, asking them what do they want? What do you want for your church? What do you think you need? This guy here, he's going over there and he's taking care of people. Just take, you ought to come down and see what we got there. Every day, they're lined up to come in. And we're giving diapers out, we're giving everything to these people. Where's this at? Right here, 4001. 4001 Blue Park. Blue Park. Sweet 215. So we're there. And you know, I've been there three years and I just told him the other day, I said, I gotta go. What do you mean? I gotta go. I said I'm 91. I'll be 91 years old. I can, you know, I've been working 85 years. Mm -hmm. You know, it's time for me to slow down. So, but I'm helping. And I told him, you know, we'll do anything in the world for this area. Interesting. So, I guess what we're looking for is is funding, right? We need some some additional funding to get this thing going. Do you have the funding you need to start the first house? Yes, we have the funding for the first two secured. Uh, so those were, were basically we're meeting donors and investors halfway. When are you going to start with them? Well, as soon as this, we have, we've, the permits uh, for approval have been in for five weeks now. So we're just waiting for the city to give us permission. And I mean, this isn't right now, it's just process. I mean, everybody has to wait to right. build. And so I, sure. I would guess we're going to get it pretty soon because we're talking to single family residential 
it's minimal, and that's one of the reasons it's probably taking a little bit longer because it's not priority. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we we fundraise half the cost of both of those, and then um, are traditionally financing the other half. Okay. And so we're we're meeting investors halfway. Um, it's it ends up being a win for us and for them. I mean, they, they, their dollars end up going to truly stabilizing a family or multiple families for a long time. Um, for us, we're in for this for half of what it costs to build it. Mm-hmm. And so we can take a few more risks. We can provide services back to the people in those homes. Uh, but that's the that's the additional cost for us. It's not just the structure. It's that we have service providers. We have case managers. And we have clinicians who are coming in and supporting that family uh, because they're bound to trip a few times. Um, and if there's no one there when they trip... Um, and that those that's that's what leads to evictions, right? So, right, and then it's a kind of a wasted investment. Yeah, so it, we we really need both. I mean, we need support for the physical structure cost, but we also need support for the people who are going to be right. supporting these individuals as they're working through this process. Um, so, right now, it typically takes anywhere from three to nine months, sometimes a little bit longer, before that person truly is now independent. I mean, they don't. Right. And that's the goal. Uh, we can't be there for everybody forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can help build natural support systems so that people don't need us anymore um, because the rest of us have that, right? Right. If something happens to me, I can call somebody. It's fine. Uh, I have friends. I have family. Uh, most of the I, work ideally, they get out from under your purview. That's Perhaps right. they're yeah. still a parishioner if they're, um, if, if that is their faith. But, you know, you're not right. necessarily having to provide ongoing services after a certain point. They've yeah, got absolutely. a chance to kind of stand on their own two feet. In a perfect world, some of those individuals end up doing so well that they can actually come back and support the next group of people. Um, so that it, we're truly removed from this. We're just connecting communities right. and then watching the magic that happens when people connect. So, awesome. Um, but, yeah, the, I mean, at the end of this is always cash. Right, <laughs> right. The tail end of this is always cash. Um, Speaking of, maybe we should we should jump on that. You said uh, you're in for half of the cost for construction and ongoing care. What, what are we looking at for, for getting a person in there? How, what, what is the cost? So per home right now, we're looking at anywhere between one hundred and five and one hundred and fifteen thousand in construction costs, hard costs. Okay. And that's for a three bedroom, one bath, um, and so half of that is what we're taking on right now. Okay. Um, that doesn't count the service side, and so the service side it just depends on how intense case management is. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're working with an organization who already has it, mm-hmm. great. If they don't, and we need to provide it, um, then a full-time social worker is typically thirty-five to forty thousand a year, right. um, and they can work, typically work with ten to fifteen families at a time. Right. And so the math there just scales with how many people we've got coming in the door. Right. Um, so you can typically tack five thousand dollars per family back on to the construction cost to cover for soft costs. Exactly. Um, and so yeah, that, so it, it, it's always floating because the title work on some of these land bank lots. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it costs seven hundred dollars. Sometimes it costs five thousand dollars. Right. Because it just depends on the history. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, a good round figure per home is anywhere between one hundred twenty-five and one hundred fifty thousand. All things considered. All things considered. Yeah. Um, so what's your fundraising goal? Well, so this is where it gets interesting. Um, the working with Rest Western Forms, they're the concrete form provider, and they're a local Kansas City-based company. Um, kind of a hidden gem. Uh, Ron Ward is the president of that company, and he has been an absolute godsend for us. They're just right up here in Executive Park. Right? Yep, That's they are. Yeah, yeah they, so they do, they've been doing concrete construction all across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they've rebuilt multiple countries that have suffered tsunamis, earthquakes, monsoons. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were in Haiti. Um, they rebuilt thousands of homes there. And so they've, um, they're donating a lot of time and money into this to get us started uh, but they're one of our partners. Um, we have a contractor, same deal, Dave Strife with Oakwood Contracting. 
um, salt of the earth. <laughs> he's he's been supporting this process too. Uh, so all of those individuals have been um, providing some in kind, and, and we're hoping. I mean, we're definitely going to pay them for what they provide. Uh, but we'll get a better sense once we finish this round of what the true costs are. Because they've been generous, generous enough to say, here's what we think it's going to cost. We're going to charge you this. Anything over that, we'll, we'll eat the first time. Right. So that you know this is what you, it's going to cost you. Um, so we'll get a better sense after these first two. But it's going to be between 125 to 150 So we want to start with these two. Then we want to do 20 after that. And that's in the Northeast. If we can, yeah. yeah. Um, the the long term goal, and this uh, working with Ron and some of his team, would be a hundred year for ten years, so a thousand mm-hmm. homes. Um, now, obviously, the I mean the math there gets really simple. Fifty thousand dollars, thousand. Yeah, <laughs> that scales up really quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, what we're really looking at is, and so if we got to that point, we're probably talking diocese wide, mm-hmm. so not just Kansas City anymore. Right. We're probably talking the full twenty seven counties. Right. Um, but for Kansas City. We've got two or three thousand vacant properties right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it been probably at least a third of those buildable tomorrow. Certainly, uh, need. Yeah, so I think that the scale there is is anywhere between twenty and a thousand. <laughs> right. Uh, but the, the, really, it all comes back to how much support can we get behind this, uh, because it really is catalytic. I mean, this isn't just isolated to just that family. It's neighborhoods that start changing. I mean, the property values over there are going to go up. The moment those are built, right. uh, because they're going to be worth more than some of the houses around it. Sure. Yeah. So you I mean, mentioned the the kind of families, the kind of people you're looking for. Um, you know, veterans, people who've had evictions, other issues, perhaps um, have been incarcerated before. You mentioned, I think, a gentleman. Can you tell me what can you tell me about him? Why was he selected? What what made him the the, the candidate to be that first home? That particular family. Um, they were in our Supportive Services for Veteran Families program. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a rapid rehousing program for veterans. And this is one of the reasons, this is another reason we felt building our own homes would make sense because we're already housing 170 veterans every year right. who are on the verge of homelessness or already homeless. And homes that you, you own or are you just paying rent for? Exactly. We're just paying somebody else rent. Mm-hmm. And again, most of the landlords we work with great people. Every now and again we hit one where... Um, they're either exploiting somebody or they're just not willing to work with us and right. we need them to work with us. And so this was our pilot of why don't we just rent to ourselves? Yeah, <laughs> well, it's like just through this business. Yeah, right. it's just pay why ourselves. Not? Why not? Yeah. yeah, you know, why not? Well, so you're cut, was, get it ostensibly eventually cut be cutting costs or, you know, provide even creating profits to perpetuate the program. Yeah. So I see where you're coming from with that. And he was the first one. That was the first family that we basically rented to ourselves. And it gave us a sense of operations because mm-hmm. we set a price point at $500 a month thinking that was as low as we could go for an 85-year-old home mm-hmm. <laughs> and still maintain the home right. in a way that's up to code. And so we've got a pretty good sense now that... Um, Is he paying his own utilities? Are yes. You? Okay. And there's utilities over... It's not... I mean, that's one of the benefits of concrete, too. Because it's so much cheaper. Yeah. So these other ones, they'll, they'll pay their own utilities, but they'll be minimal. Yeah. $35 a month is the projected utility use for the whole thing. All right. Um, well, I guess it wouldn't be water. It would just be yeah. everything that falls under gas and electric now okay. would all be electric, and it's projected at $35 a month because it's a foot of concrete with four inches of insulation in between. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's gotcha. Nothing's going in and out. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a fortress. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's it's worth doing it on the front end and saving people that we're going to be renting to the cost on the back end. You know, again, like you say, all we need is money. So if we raise a million dollars this year, for our gala, which Bill Dunn and I are helping, we could do that. A million dollars goes a long way mm-hmm. for what we have. 
And then if we get the houses here, if I get these eight houses at uh, Indian Mount, and then I could pick up thirty-five or forty thousand dollars for each one, for someone will know that they're building a home for someone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to raise money. That concludes this week's edition of Kansas City's Northeast Newscast. I'd like to thank Jared Sanderson, Kevin Murphy, and Carl DeCapa with Catholic Charities for coming down to the Northeast News office to talk about their housing initiative in the historic Northeast community. As always, this is your host, Paul Thompson, signing out. Thank you for listening.